Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. In the Nelson Bible, it's on 1007. Hallelujah. Amen. 1007. It's after Nahum. That's on 1006. Glory to God. Amen. 1007. But the chapter I want's on 1008. Chapter 2. Begin reading at verse 1. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you a joyful people? Hallelujah. Isn't it good to worship God in 1984? Amen. You know what? God's better every, every year that goes by. Greater is He that's in us, and He's getting greater in us because we're allowing Him to be greater in us. We're learning more about Him. He's changing us. Haven't we changed? I don't know about you, but since the new year, I've changed. Because I change day by day from glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, dear Father God. Yes, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you. I thank you. I, yeah, and I do. I thank you for it right now. Now, I'm going to say to you just like this. There's freedom. There's victory right here. Now, the Spirit of God just spoke to me and told me what to do about it. Divine that Spirit in Jesus' name. And you can be loosed and be freed from it if you want to. And you know who you are, and I know who you are. And the Spirit of God knows who you are. And you can have freedom. You can have victory. You can have release. And you can have it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just take it. Just take it and receive it. Just say, I receive my freedom. I receive my victory. I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, dear Father God. See, God will not intrude. He'll not impose. He'll not do things, you know... To you, apart from your free will, you've got to want it, you've got to desire it, but it's here and you can have it. Praise God. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And, and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and lie not and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Every believer, we've been talking about, should have a vision. Every believer should have a vision for his own individual life. Everyone should want to walk as Jesus walked. Everyone should want to know him in, in an intimate way, progressively, you know, come to know him in a more intimate way. Every day, day by day, that should be the goal of the individual believer. Personally, First John 2, 6 pleases my heart. He that saith he abideth in him ought to walk even as he walked. Can you say amen? Is that your personal goal? Are you seeking and searching to attain that goal? You want to achieve that in your life. You want to walk even as he walked. He wouldn't say to do something that we couldn't do. He said every believer ought, owes it to him to walk even as he, Jesus, walked when he was here on earth. How about you? But that sets me ablaze. And you're on fire if you heard that. You know that it's true. It's either that or your wood's all wet. Amen? But if you get hooked up with a guy named, you know, Elijah, even though you got your wet wood, he'll get it on fire. Amen? Amen? Well, just think if you get hooked up with Elijah, you get hooked up with Jesus, and your wood's wet, it'll really get yourself on fire. Amen? Because he baptized you with the Holy Ghost and with what? And with fire and set you ablaze, set you free, set your heart on fire for the things of God. Amen? 
Now here, Habakkuk's saying to us that there's a, he had to write the vision down. He had to write it down and make it plain before the people so they could know exactly what God wanted to do. And that's exactly what I've been doing the last couple of meetings. If you weren't with us, we've been laying out the vision, making it plain so that you can see what God wants in our, in, in our assembly. Well, I, I think that every believer should want to know the Father, want to know Jesus, and want to know the Holy Ghost in an intimate way, in reality. That should be the goal of the individual believer. Every individual believer should want to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you can walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing and being fruitful in every good work. That should be your own personal goal. You should have a vision. You should see yourself walking in light of the wisdom of God. You should say every day, Jesus is my wisdom. He is my comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of my Father God. Jesus is my righteousness. He is my right standing before God. I can stand because of Jesus before my Father as though sin had never been, as though sin was never committed, as though man had never fallen, because Jesus lifted me up higher than the fall of Adam. Glory be to God. And He sets me before the presence of my Heavenly Father with exceeding joy, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and I stand before Your presence, Father God, as though sin never been without sin consciousness, without guilt, without inferiority, glory to God, without any inferiority complex, without any fear, I can come before you without trembling, without worry, just come as a child comes to his own father. Everybody should say on a daily basis, Jesus is my sanctification. He is my separation from the world and the lust of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. He is my separation from the ungodly things of this world. He keeps my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and He has become my separation from this world. And I seek not the things that are in this world, but I seek those things which be of God. Hallelujah. And I set my mind on those things. And everybody should say daily that Jesus is my redemption. Jesus is my redemption. Say it with me. Jesus is my redemption. My deliverance out of the authority of darkness. My translation into the kingdom of God. Satan has no power over me. Sin has no power over me. Sickness has no dominion over me. Disease cannot live in my body. Fear has no power over me. Worry has no power over me. I'll not be anxious, for Jesus is my peace of mind. I'm in His kingdom of love. Nay, in all these things I am more than a conqueror. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave his life for me. Everybody should have that vision. Glory be to God, having that fulfilled in your life. Everybody should have that vision. You should set your goals up so high that, you know, if you just got three quarters of them, you'd be walking in divine health. Hallelujah. Amen. Because, you see, you want to set that to the top. I want to walk as he walked and have a ball living every day to fulfill it. Amen. Walk as he walked. Well, Christianity in essence or in totality is God manifesting his own life through a human body. Do you have a human body? Well, God wants to manifest himself through you. John 1.18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has brought Him out into the open. He has declared Him. He's made Him known. He's brought Him out in the visible form where He can be seen. Christianity is God living in a human body, in human form. God indwelling the spirit of a man so that that man, through physical, his physical body, can show the world God. God in you? How many of you got God in you? He wants to live in you. 
He wants to manifest his life through you. That's what Christianity is. God manifesting himself to the world through you, making himself known in visible form to the world. You want to look at God? See? Look at Jesus. He was God manifesting the flesh. You want to see God? Look at me. I'm being changed day by day into his very image. And when I walk in love and in the Spirit, I'm manifesting the life and the nature of God. Do you see what I'm saying? That's God in you. Say, He's in me. The hope of glory. He can live through me. His life can be visible to those that are around me because He lives in me. Now, you can be a vessel of honor or you can be a vessel of dishonor. Do you remember how we said teaching along the lines of humility and honor, that before honor comes humility? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says there are some in a house, there's both vessels of earth and of gold and of silver and precious stone, some of honor, some of dishonor. How many of you want to be a vessel of honor? Meet and prepared for the master's use. That vessel is you. You see the body. Well, if you do, if you want to be a vessel of honor, the Bible says humility comes before honor. If you want to be a vessel of honor, you have to humble yourself and let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before your brother and sister. Walk in all humility. Esteem others more highly than yourself. Prefer others above yourself. And God will honor you. He said, I'll honor you. And with long life will I satisfy you. That's what he wants to do to each and every one of us. But you see, as an individual, that's up to us to allow God to manifest his life through us. And that should be our goal, to be a vessel of honor, to know him intimately, to be changed day by day. Don't be satisfied with yourself and with your growth and with your progress unless you are changed day by day from glory to glory. Set that up as your own personal goal, to be a vessel of honor before your Father's presence and walk worthy of him and all pleasing. Now, that's the first part of your life. Secondly, I want to get into this. We talked about corporately, collectively as a body. See, as a body of believers, God has a work for us to do. There are so many churches, so many bodies that are assembled together that do not have a vision. They don't have a vision. So they come together and get goosebumps. So they come together and maybe get a miracle here or there. So they come together and maybe they prophesy to one another. So sometimes they just come together and just sit down and don't even say anything. Sometimes they just come together just, just, to, just to come together. Just to have church and go home. But I'm going to tell you something, my brother and my sister. Our assembly of ourselves together here tonight is for a reason and for a purpose. And it's not just to be, just to be faithful to God only, but it's to carry out His plan and program for uh, the body of Christ in the Beaver and Ohio Valley, right in this area, right around here. I want you to know that God has something to do, and He wants to do something in our assembly. He wants to do something, not just because we're somebody, but because He's somebody. And we've yielded ourselves unto Him as vessels unto God, vessels of honor, so that He can do what He wants to do in the earth. All He wants is a channel. All He wants is a vessel. All He wants is a yielded spirit, soul and body, so that He can carry out His program and plan right here in where we live, right where we breathe. I mean to tell you, you think about miracles, you think about them somewhere else. You think about them across the sea. You think about them over there in the land of Galilee when Jesus walked upon the earth. You think about them over at Dr. Cho's church over there. But I'm going to tell you something. You think about them in Oklahoma and everywhere else, but I want you to know something right now that the same God that lives out there lives right over here and he wants to live big right over here and he wants to cause all kind of things to happen right around us that this world's never seen before because he is God over all the earth and we're in this part of the earth. And where we are, so is God. Amen? 
And he's given us a vision. And he said, write the vision down and make the vision plain so that everybody can see it. Now, we've been talking about that, and I'm going to just expound on the vision. God has given us a vision. The vision comes from God. The vision does not come from man. Back in the Old Covenant, we had some of the prophets that devised visions out of their own heart, out of their own thinking. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to have a church because they wanted to have a church. They wanted to prophesy because they wanted to prophesy. They wanted to do this because they wanted to do it. See, they had their own ideas. They did these things up in their own spirits. There are even some today. Some that went to Bible school, I went to Bible school. They went out from the school and they had their own dreams. And they had their own self-man-made visions. And I'll go here and start a work and it falls. And I'll go over there and I'll start a work and it falls. And they kept doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that. And I would never do anything like that. Man's vision is nothing compared to the vision of God. If God calls and God equips and if God anoints and God establishes and God sets you into a place, I want you to know it will not be hard for a fire to be built under your feet. It will not be hard for God to start manifesting himself in a mighty, powerful way because when God speaks and says go and we go and we become yielded unto his spirit, he's going to move like a mighty rushing wind like he did on the day of Pentecost and everybody be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues and signs and wonders will follow. Amen? Well, God spoke back in June probably June the 14th, 1979. My wife was sitting in a little old church in Gerard, Ohio. And as she was sitting there in that church on that night, that evening service, she was just worshiping the Lord and, and the, the Spirit of God gave her a vision, showed her this assembly, showed her this building, showed her the Spirit of God and the flame of a fire right upon the top of this building. Sometimes we try to interpret those things and we shouldn't try to interpret those things. Let the Spirit of God interpret them unto us. But, you know, that's what happened. That's what took place. And we begin to ponder those things in our hearts. You know, what would, this, what would this mean? What is this going to mean? Sometimes if we try to do it ourselves, we think, well, one of these days we're going to be having a church service here and there's going to be a fire above us and the firemen are going to come out and they're going to try to put that thing out and it won't go out because it's a supernatural power of God. But you see, that's not necessarily, you know, what, he, what the Spirit of God was saying or what it meant. It didn't have to be in a physical manifestation. I mean, to tell you, it's been, it's been you know, fire around here ever since we started meeting in this building. Amen? Since they did before and it's grown in intensity even right now. That's right. But back there in, uh, on the 14th of June, in the evening service, the Spirit of God showed my wife that vision. It wasn't her vision. Whose vision was it? Whose vision was it? God's vision. What is a vision? God is revealing something to his people that he wants to do. Not that I want to do. Not that my wife wants to do. Not that anybody else wants to do. Something that God wants to do. Something that He wants to establish. Something that He wants to start. That's what He wanted. And then three days later, I got into my car as we was coming down here on Route 11 from Youngstown, coming down to this church. And the Word of the Lord came out of me saying, You will be the next pastor of that church. Well, why was God doing these things supernaturally? Why was God saying those things? That was the furthest thing from my mind. I wouldn't even believe that if someone would have told me. I wouldn't even. I told the pastor that I left the church that I left, where I was, you know, fellowshipping uh, in ministry, a little bit of ministry there as a youth minister. I told him I wouldn't even consider or think about going down to a church, any kind of a church, and being a pastor. I wouldn't do that. But God showed my wife in a vision. God spoke to my heart and said, "You will be." And when God says, "You will be," I guess you will be. Unless you rebel against God. You know, we do have our part to play. We do have to obey God. We do have to do what God said to do. And if we don't do what God said to do, we find somebody else to do it. 
And if I'd have said, no, sir, I'm not going to go down there, then God would have spoken to somebody else and said, you will be the next pastor of that church. And they'd have said, okay. And I'd have been out in the cold. I'd have been out of the will of God. I'd have had a miserable Christian life until I repented and got right with God and said, okay, Father God, I'll do what you want me to do and nothing else, nothing more. Someone says, what do you attribute success to? I say, being in the will of God, doing what God said to do. I could preach anywhere in this country, but I would not be in the will of God. I can only be in the will of God behind this pulpit right here. Because God said, go there. I think God knows what to do. I think our Heavenly Father is smart enough to know where I should be, don't you? And where you should be. See, it wasn't something that I made up. It wasn't something that my wife drummed up. It was something that God put together. He put this thing uh, together. He says, I want it to go. I'm going to make it work. And you just get ready to follow me. I says, okay. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but I've seen that first phase of that vision come to pass. I come down here. We start preaching a little bit. And people start to, God start speaking upon people's hearts to come in. And before you know it, the power of God starts to move. And the and, and signs and wonders following and the preaching, the teaching of His Word. And there was a Holy Ghost blaze around here. And there was people coming around with the same vision, seeing great things that God was going to do in this local valley over here. You know, one time this valley was set on fire with the Spirit of God. I mean, when Sister Maria Woolworth had her right down here from Columbiana County, Ohio. Man, she was a great and mighty woman of God. And they saw a demonstration of the Spirit of God like never seen before. She stood one day preaching, you know, and the power of God came on her. She was ministering to a small group of people, a thousand or two, a couple thousand people. And she was ministering under a tent. And she raised up her hand, proving a point, making a point. And when she lifted up her hand unto God like that there and started to say something, the power of God came on top of her. And she stood still like a board, just stood there as still as can be and didn't move a muscle for three days. For three days she stood there like that. Nobody could move her. Nobody could touch her. Nobody could pick her up. Power of God was on her. You can't pick up God. How much you think He weighs? You can't pick up God. He's too big. Amen? You can get all the body together. You can't pick up God. You can't move God once God moves on you. She was a yielded vessel unto God. The power of God came on her. And I mean, she didn't move a muscle. Didn't say another word. Just, just like she was suspended. Here from her senses, you know, just standing there with the glory of God from 1,000. You say, well, how can anybody get a crowd like that? It grew from 1,000 to 20,000. I said it grew from 1,000 to 20,000. By the third day, I mean, this lady standing up there for three days. Can you imagine that? You think one would get hungry. You think one would get a little sleepy, but she didn't. After the third day, she began to speak, and she picked up right where she left off and just started just preaching like as though no time ever, you know, lapsed. And she started to preach about the power of God and the glory of God, and the power of God came down, and the glory of God came down. There were signs and wonders and miracles took place, and this valley out here saw the glory of God and the power of God until they made industry their God. And when they made the industry their God, then the glory of God left. I said, when they made the industry their God, the glory of God left. They turned their back on God and made the mills and all the industry their God. And before you know it, there was no more revival. And to this day, they've even said, uh, up until this day, they said that this was the worst place to preach the gospel in all the United States of America. Why do you think it took so long for guys like Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland uh, to come over to this area and preach the gospel? They'll tell you back there, and some have questioned them. They said, that's the hardest place to preach the gospel. I mean, we want to stay away from, we've tried it, but we've gotten away from that area. Everybody knows that that's a dry spot, that God has turned his back on that spot because the people would not serve him. But I want you to know that God has given us another chance over here. 
God has said, I don't want this to stay over there in the west. I'm going to come over to the east and visit my people that are over there because there's a bunch of people in the Beaver Valley that are praying and in the Ohio Valley that are praying. And they want to see a manifestation of my glory like they saw way back when. And these people will be a well-taught, faithful people that will carry on my work. And I'm going to go over there and visit them. And I'm going to refresh their spirit. I'm going to send my anointing upon them and my glory upon them. And they'll see great signs and wonders like they saw before. And bless God, I know the work is going to be made manifest and wrought even in this day that we live right now. And they'll take a hold of those powers of darkness and the principalities that would endeavor to rule this part of the country. And the devil will have to pack his bags and get to going. Go over to another state. Go over to another city somewhere else. Or go over to another country somewhere else. Better yet. Amen. That's right. Well, so we came. My vision, nope. My wife's vision, nope. What God wanted. What God wanted. Say it. It's what the Father wants. We came to do your will, Father, and complete it. And we will complete it in Jesus' name, by your Spirit and your grace. Hallelujah. Well, then, we've seen this come to pass, but then sometime later, you know, God doesn't give you everything at once. It's one step at a time. Then sometime later, she was sitting back over there in the corner back where Sister Dowds is sitting back over there. And as she was sitting back over there, again the Spirit of God moved upon her and she, she saw again, she, saw, she, she said, I saw you standing up on a large platform speaking unto many people. She said, I saw, and this was before we got involved in a building program. This was before we got involved in, in you know, enlarging and expanding. But she saw it. See, once you're faithful to God and you fulfill one phase, one stage, he, he carries you over to another. Now it's time to... He doesn't want to stop. He doesn't want us to become complacent. He doesn't want us to become lax. See, he doesn't want us to get lax and become complacent and sit back and say, well, we did what God wanted. There's a fire down there in Midland. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Because before you know it, you'll get spiritually fat. And you'll sit back and think that, well, we've done what God wanted us to do. There's no more to do. I want you to know that there's something to do until Jesus comes back and sets foot on the Mount of Olives. Or until he comes and, you know, we go up to be with him in the air. There's something to do for God. We can grow up in God. We can be more like God. We can have more manifestation of God. We can have more of the glory of God. We can have such a place, dear Lord, that we'd walk into this place and we couldn't stand up to minister because of the glory of the cloud. You say, well, then what would happen? If sinners came in, they'd fall under two and get saved and speak with other tongues and healed if they needed it and devils cast out. Not by might or power, by my spirit, saith the Lord, are these things going to be done. Not through human strength or power. But men and women that are yielded to the Spirit of God. Well, where are we going to go from here? Well, I don't know about you, but collectively, as a body of believers, it's my responsibility to share with you the vision. It's my responsibility to tell you not only what God wants to do, but how we're going to do it. How He's going to do it through us. With every plan and program, I mean, with every, every vision and everything that God gives you to do, there's going to be a blueprint, there's going to be a diagram, there's going to be a program, there's going to be a plan, isn't there? He's going to show you how to do it, what's going to get the job done. He's not going to leave us, you know, hanging. He wants the job to get done, and He's going to provide a way. Well, do you know what that way is? Turn back over in your Bibles to, well, not Isaiah, go to Second Chronicles. I'll just quote these others. Isaiah said, Not by might, 
but by the anointing shall every yoke be broken. Zechariah said, Not by might for power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. He said that the work that I've called you to do and to finish will be done by my spirit, will be done by the anointing. We're now in the process of bringing into manifestation the reality of this second phase of the work, of the vision. There are many that have never finished the first phase of the vision. But God has already allowed us to enter into the second phase of His work in the vision because we were faithful to fulfill the first. And you know, once you get to the first and that first has been fulfilled, then you've got to go on with God. There's more to do. But you see, how are we going to do it? How is the job going to get done? How's God going to work this thing out? How's He going to put it all together? You talk about a little, you know, the congregation that we have, we're talking about getting into a, a big building project. We're talking about a lot of things that has to be done. You stand back and on and say, now how in the world are we going to do that? How are we going to get all that work done? How are we going to get the job done? How's it going to be accomplished? How's God going to see this thing through? I'm glad we started this work when there was a recession. Aren't you? More glory unto God. Hallelujah. Oh, then Pentecostals are at it again. They're out there trying to build a building and don't they know that nobody's working and anybody's got any money? Well, glory be to God. Them born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, faith-walking, living epistles of the living Christ that are read and known of all men, they've got some inside information inside their spirits and inside the Bible. The Bible says that God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills and all the silver and all the gold is His and it's for His work so that the work will be carried out throughout all the earth and it doesn't matter what the world's going through because we're not in the world. We're not of the world. Hallelujah. We're in God's kingdom. And He's not broke. More glory unto God. Because the work will be complete. And the work, I mean, not only this phase, this phase is complete. We see it done now in the spirit realm. Glory to God. But I'm talking about the overall vision. I'm talking about the overall work. I'd hate to think that this is all we're going to know about God right now. We're going to learn so much more about our Heavenly Father and become so acquainted with Him that we'll all rise up and take our place as a child of the living God and begin to walk upon the earth like Jesus did and do the works that Jesus did like He said that we would do. Amen? That's the truth. Well, over here, how are we going to do it? Well, I'll tell you how. We're going to do it by the individual anointing. We're going to do it by the corporate anointing. And we're going to do it by supportive ministries. The individual anointing, the corporate anointing, and individual... Supportive ministries. Now, I didn't know God was going to do this. But I want you to know that when we all got together, and I walked over to this pulpit, I've shared with, you know, this with you before, I walked over to this pulpit to pray, Spirit of God came upon me and moved upon me, and I knew that every one of you came to worship God. I knew that you, you wanted to worship God. And we joined ourselves together, and the anointing fell, and the anointing came down, and bless God, it was all we could do but shout. Because God wanted to do something. Now you say, why didn't this happen all the time? I believe if we was prepared for it, it would happen all the time. I believe if we all came with the right attitude of heart, it would happen all the time. I believe if we all came with the right 
you know, desire to see God work and to see the manifestation of His glory. Don't ever get tired of seeing God move. Don't ever get tired of seeing God do things like overcome the devil right there in front of you and watch the devil be cast out and people be healed, delivered, and set free. Watch people that came in morning go out rejoicing. Hallelujah. Never get tired of seeing God move like that because that's what it's all about. What do we come here for anyhow? But to see God. Boy, we should be a joyful. Where are you going tonight? Church. Well, what's at church? God. Who are you going to go see? Well, I'm going to go see a friend. Where are you going? I'm going to see God. God's going to move. God's going to manifest Himself. Now, come on. You mean God really? You mean really God that made all the earth and the universe and all that? Yes, that's where we're going. Come on down. You'll see Him too. Isn't that right? I said, did we come here to see Him or not? You didn't come to see me. Surely you wouldn't want to come just to see me. You have a hard time seeing me over this pulpit anyhow. <laughs> right? You came to see God. You came to see Him move. Amen. And so when we got together and that corporate anointing came, I mean, that was a wave. What a, The corporate anointing, the power of God moves and the glory of God moves. And when we yield to that anointing, there's a greater manifestation of the presence of God. Although He is in us, with us, and for us, when we come collectively and join ourselves together, there is a mightier anointing when we are ready for it, when we are prayed up for it, when we want it, when we prepare for it. And when my brother and my sister... It is as though God manifests Himself in a greater dimension. It's like as though He's so real that if we could give a little bit of form to Him, you'd see Him walk down the aisle. That's exactly how it was up here. I don't know where you were, but I, don't know, I, know, I don't know where I was either. But the glory of God was manifest right here. We should be awe-struck. We should stand in His presence with exceeding joy and never lose that desire to see God move by His Spirit. Now, I want to share these things with you so that we can prepare ourselves and, and we can be ready for the work God has for us. How's the work going to be done? You see the vision. Vision number, in, in the first phase of it, God wants a family church. Now we know that, but in the second phase of it, God wants us to be a word teaching center. That's going to take work. It's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of diligence, a lot of hours, a lot of dedication, a lot of consecration. It's going to take a lot of prayer, people that are in order to pray and pray and pray and don't give up praying. I'm just so impressed with Dr. Cho's church. that You can go down by his church on a Friday night and you, you'll see people praying from morning to night, all day, all night. People get up 4 o'clock in the morning just to go there and pray before they go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. Pray and pray and pray and pray and just pray because they want to see the glory and the power and the omnipotence of God in their presence. They want to see the, the move of God. They know that it's not by might or human strength or power. It's not by our intellect. It's not by our own you know, understanding. But it's by the power of God's Spirit. It's not with human strength. It's with the real strength of God. The ability of God. And that's the only way it could come, my brother and sister. The corporate anointing. Yeah, I've got to be anointed to preach. I've got to be anointed to stand in this office of a pastor. You've got to be anointed to, to do things that you're doing. See, fivefold ministry, we've got the anointing upon each. There's the ministry of helps, which carries another anointing, another anointing of God to stand in, in that type of a ministry. It's different from the ministry of the fivefold ministry. But yet there's an anointing upon that. The intercessor is anointed, and the Spirit of God manifests Himself in such a way that they can't help but to pray. I mean, they can't help but to pray. They, something, they hear something, and all of a sudden the burden comes, and they get on their knees in their face, and they just begin to weep before God. Almost uncontrollably, but it's not uncontrollably. Because the power of God, the anointing of God comes upon them. See, that's how the work's going to be done, is by the anointing of God. Now, over here, I want you to see something about the corporate anointing. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, 
and verse 11. When the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not wait, of course, and all the Levites, which were the singers, and all of them of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, and with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, <clears throat> having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the uh, east end of the altar, and with them and 120 priests sounding with trumpets, it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were of one. Where is one? Where is one? Where is what? As what? One, as they were as one, to make one sound, no murmuring and complaining and nobody, you know, having a different vision, but to make one sound and to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Why do you think I asked them to come up here? Why do you think I asked them singers to come up here, then praises, then worshipers to come up here? Spread of God, I wanted to do that, and I, I knew in my spirit I'd do that, but it was just a matter of when. And the Spirit of God moved upon us in such a way to bring them up, to come to come forward. And do you see when did you see how the anointing was multiplied? Do you see how the anointing became even stronger when each one stood in their office as one to minister unto the Lord with the anointing of God upon them? See, the corporate anointing is the bringing together of all the individual anointings so that all the individual anointings can join themselves together as one in one mind and one accord to lift up their voices and praise God, saying, For His goodness, mercy endureth forever to glorify God in, in this place of worship. Now, let's read on and see what happened. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpeters and the cymbals, the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music for and praise the Lord, saying, For He is good and His mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister. Some people get upset and excited when someone falls under the power. How would you like it that if everybody fell under the power all at the same time? Amen. Amen. But it says everybody, they fell under the power. They couldn't stand and minister by the reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And what is the glory of the Lord? But the anointing of God. It is the anointing of God. It is the Spirit of God, the glory of God, the anointing of God that raised Jesus from the dead, filled the house where they were ministering. And they couldn't even stand and minister to the Lord for the reason of the cloud. Oh, yes, my brother and my sister, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the anointing of God upon me like it was upon us tonight and just stay with us, bless God, and have all the money in the world. I'd rather have the anointing of God upon us. I mean, it's just so good and so beautiful than every house that anybody can give you. All the houses of the world, put them all together and say, look, you get all, all this or you can have the Spirit of God for five minutes. I say, I want the Spirit of God for five minutes. All the wealth and the riches that the world has to offer cannot be compared to the glory of God for five minutes upon your life. Oh, yes, it's something to be desired. It's something to have manifest in your life. And we can do it. But did you notice that they were of one? Look it over in Acts, the second chapter. We'll show you something else about being united together as one. If it's going to be by the anointing of God, it's not going to be by human strength. Then the more manifestation we have of that anointing and the more power we have in our presence and in our midst and the more of the glory of God that's made manifest when we're here, you see, assembling ourselves together, then the more successful we are going to be in fulfilling the work and the will of God in our lives. It is not our vision. It is not our work. It is something that God put together. It is something that God wants done. And he began, not only did the call start here, he said, I want you to go and be the pastor of this, you know. He didn't stop there. My brother and my sister, he's been whispering to hearts ever since we've come here. I want you to do this. Some of you was other places. But he said over in the ear, you know, whispered to your heart and said, I want you to go up there in that church that people say they hang from the chandeliers and stuff. I want you to go up there. I want you just to see what that thing's all about. No, we don't have any chandeliers, brother. 
But I want you to go up there and find out what it's all about. You got in here and just like a slippery creek bank, you got in and fell in and got wet. Got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. And the vision came to you and you knew God was speaking to you. God put this thing together. I didn't. This board didn't. The people that were here didn't. God put it together. It's not our vision. I want you to see that it's God's vision. Say this. My father wants it done. I'm not pleasing Christian assembly. I'm pleasing my Father God. And that's why I'm here. See, we're all here to do something. Carry out His work. If you ever get a bunch of workers together, you know, I mean, when you go to work, you know, you get a bunch of workers together, you don't say, well, everybody do the same job. Everybody did the same job. What must, you know, wouldn't be much getting done. Everybody probably want to sweep the floor. No one would want to work. You know, it's the same thing with the body of Christ, with the work of God. He says, I want this thing to go. I want to put something together over here in this valley. And I want my power to be made manifest. And I want my glory to be seen in great demonstration. And so I want you go. You be the pastor. And I want you go. You know, you get down over there. You, you hop out. You get on that advisory board. Board of deacons. You go over there and you be a door greeter. You go over there and I want you to intercede. I want you to pray. You, I just want you to be a lover. You go find people and love them to life. You stay in that place and you just be an exhorter. See somebody, you, you be an exhorter. You just see somebody that seems like they're low. You go and just lift up their spirits. You be an exhorter. You, I want you to be a teacher. Not in the fivefold office, but I want you to teach in the workshops. I want you to start, I'm giving you a talent. I've given you wisdom and knowledge. I've given you an anointing to teach in this capacity. I want you to go and fulfill that. You be faithful. And everybody starts to work together. Everybody starts to cooperate. Everybody's doing their thing. I mean, God put it together. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the body. Every joint fitly framed together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. See, working effectively together so that God can get His work done. Can you see that? One, you play the organ. You do this. You do that. You lead the songs. You do, and that's what God does. He puts it together. And we're not doing it because we decided to do it. But God put it together. And we're doing it for Him. Now look at over here in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 46. Here's exactly what I'm saying. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. How? In one accord. In one accord. In the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness, with gladness, with gladness, not with mourning, but with gladness, not with murmuring, but with gladness, not with being upset with one another, not finding everybody's faults, but with gladness and singleness of heart. There's only one way you could be single in Christ. There's only one way you could be single, you know, as a corporate collective body, and that's if we all have the same vision. That's if we all see each other in the same way in Christ. Only way I can see you perfect is in Christ because your body's imperfect. Only way you can see me perfect is in Christ because I have the same kind of imperfect body that you've got. The only way we can have singleness of heart and purpose in our assembly is if we have one vision. I told you last time that division is a dual vision, a twofold vision. Some have come and some have gone because they had another vision. I have to be obedient to the vision he's called me. Remember Paul said to the king, he says, I've not, I've been obedient. I've not been disobedient to the vision that God gave me. I did what he said for me to do. 
But you see, one man can't do it alone. Two can't do it alone. It takes more members to make up a body. Our body contains many members. And every member working together will cause the body to work effectively to get the job done. And it's the same thing with us as a collective body. Each one of us. You see, sometimes people say, well, why do I need to get so involved and dedicated in my church? You're not getting involved and dedicated in your church. You're getting involved and dedicated to the body of Christ. When you start hearing this package deal that God put together, when you start finding out that He's devised a way to get all these people together, someone who has this part to play, that part to play, and when I get you people under one roof, when I get you together and compact you together and get all the joints working and greased up and all with the Holy Ghost, and I get you on fire and get myself made manifest, I can come down there as big as I am. Now, individually, I can't do this, but I can get you collectively together in such a way that I can live so big in your midst that if you were in jail, I'd break all the bands and every fetter and you'd all be loose and set free. I'd make the building shake that you're assembled together in. And if they thought you was a fanatic, then I'd put them back up after the bricks fell. He did it to Ezekiel, knocked him on the ground, picked him back up by his spirit. Do you see why I need to be dedicated to a body, a local body? Because my brother and my sister, this is how, this is the foundation, this is you know, where God's work is carried out. Now, I thank God for each and everything that He leads us to do otherwise. But the local assembly cannot have the corporate anointing of God in great demonstration unless everybody takes their place. One person can't do it. I used to often wonder. I, I have spent, I spent four hours in prayer before coming to a church service. I spend back there and pray and pray for four. And you think, man, we're going to have a revival. I mean, the glow, glory be to God. We're just, we're just going to float. So, glory to God. I mean, I just want to just shout and jump. And then you walk in and you begin to talk or preach. And, and before you know it, it seems like the brakes are on. It seems like we're here in body. I don't know where the Spirit went, but we're here, physically here. And then I'd walk out of the service and I'd say, Now, Father God, now I know that I pray. I know I was prepared for the anointing. I know that I was ready. I, oh, dear, I could spend three days in doing this or four days in doing And it still seemed like the same thing. I said, Now, come on. What is this? And then I begin to understand more about the corporate anointing. And then I begin to understand that the way we assemble ourselves together will determine whether or not that anointing, that corporate anointing, is manifest in a powerful way. Did you notice that they said they came from the holy place? Now, I know we've got our own activities that we do in daily life, but you know what? Do you prepare yourself physically to come to church? Raise your hand if you do. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. How about spiritually? How about spiritually? Did you just come from the holy place? One coming from the holy place is not enough. My brother and sister, I'm not the only one going to be here ministering to the Lord. And it's not all my responsibility. It is to be under shepherd. But I'm, so I'm talking about if you want to see God move. I'm talking about if you want to see mighty manifestations. 
then it means we all will come from the holy presence of God and gather together for the purpose of breaking bread with one another and shouting and rejoicing. They had to live in victory to come shouting and rejoicing. They had to live in victory to come shouting and rejoicing and praising God with the singleness of mind and heart. Let's go to the fourth chapter of the same book of Acts. They just came from, I mean, they were just about to be whipped and beaten and cast into prison because they just did a wonderful, miraculous thing in the wonderful name of Jesus. The lame man who was lame from his mother's womb, never walked, was raised up, you know, and be able to walk. Peter said, by his name, through faith in his name, had this man been made whole and strong, whom you see and know the faith was by him has given us perfect silence in the presence of you all. And God raised up this man and Peter and John got cast into prison, got into question because of the miracle that was wrought and done. And then over there in verse uh, 20, they threatened them further and they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shewed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests now said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with what? With what? And said, Lord, now art God that made the heaven and the earth and has seen all that in them is who by the mouth of thy servant David, etc., etc., etc. They went on down to verse 30 and 31. By stretching forth thy hand to heal the signs and waters may be wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place was shaken where they was assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Look at the next verse. And the multitude of them that believed were, of, say it with me, what? Were of what? And of one soul. And neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. How do you get great power and great grace? When you've all got the same vision. When you all come from the holy place, when you all come into His presence and say, I want to see the glory and the power of God. David said, I long to see thee as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see your glory in the sanctuary, to see your might, to see your presence. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. Hallelujah. That's what he said. Thus will I bless thee while I live. My lips shall praise you. I'll lift up my hands in your name. That's why we should come into the presence of God together. You know, in the holy place, from the holy place, we are the body of Christ. They came into the physical temple of God where the glory of God was shut up in the holies of holies. But we are now the temples of the living God. The Bible says that we are the temple that God dwells in us. He is in us. We are His temple. The temple of God. And when we sanctify ourselves before the Lord, when we walk in our righteousness and we come from His presence and glorifying Him and say, now we're going together to be a corporate collective body of believers assembling ourselves together and no weapon formed against us can prosper. And I don't care what it looks like out there. We're more than conquering all these things. And who said we can't build buildings in a, in a recession? Glory be to God. Our God can build a building anytime He wants to. Any place He wants to. And it doesn't go to, it doesn't, you know, as far as finances is concerned, there's not too much to be concerned about because God is the one that's building the project. He is not broke. He's a great financier. He knows what to do with His money. Amen? But you see, our job is just to come together, take your place, join yourself together, get that oil, working on that joint to get your place, you know, in the body of Christ and working together. And you just come saying, bless God, I'm the one that does. I greet people at the door. Brother Dante, I mean to tell you what, bless God, He when He first started coming over here to, to, to our assembly, you know, he just, just walked, he just said, I'm, I just know. He knew inside his heart, God wants me to just be a door greeter. He wants me to stand there and bless. He's just a shining light. 
That's the only way I can say it. Bless God. He stands there as a shining light. You can't possibly get by without being attracted to him and shake his hand and love him because the glory of God is all over him. And what's he doing? Just standing there letting God work through him. Hallelujah. You see what I'm talking about? When you walk in through those doors, you see somebody else come up to you and share the love of God. That might be your call. The Bible says, wait upon your ministry. If it's teaching, wait upon your teaching. If it's ministering, wait upon your ministering. If it's your prophesying, wait upon your prophesying. Wait upon it for what? For the glory of God, for the anointing of God, for the power of God to be upon you so that you can do it in the Spirit and not in the flesh. For no flesh shall glory in His presence. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their what? Strength. Strength in the strength of God. In other words, exchange their strengths. God will be doing it. You know that when you're full of God and the glory of God, all you need to do is stand there. You'll be a shining light. That's right. Just stand there. Don't have to say too much. Just stand there and be a shining light. Let your light so shine. He just took his place. I didn't call him on the phone and say, Brother, I'd like you to stand back there by the table and just shake everybody's hand and walks in. Brother Chuck, did you call him and tell him to do that? No. He saw what needed to be done. and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. What reward is in that? Oh, if you only knew. There's glory in it. There's power in it. There's healing in it. There's deliverance in it. Playing an organ. If I told you how many lessons these two ladies had, oh my. You know what you'd say? How in the world did they learn how to play? There was a job that needed to be done in the church. There wasn't anybody here to do it. They were willing vessels, willing to give themselves to God, and they got taught by the Holy Ghost. I said they got taught by the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost taught them how to play these instruments. No, if you can't do it, bless God, that's all the reason more to shout and say hallelujah, but through God I can do all things. And the anointing will come on you, and God will give you supernatural ability and power to do it. There's no excuse in heaven for not doing something for God, because you can do all things through Christ, who is your strength. Amen. So you see, no matter what it is, I could have said, Father God, I can't preach. I'll never go up and front, preach in front of people. Hallelujah. But when the anointing comes on you to do something, my brother and my sister is going to have me a hard time stopping tonight. But when the glory of God come on you to preach, all you can do is preach. I said, all you can do, I've been anointed to preach and then to teach, and sometimes the Spirit of preach come on, you're just going to have to just receive the Spirit of preach. Glory to God. And sometimes you'll say some things that need to be said that you didn't say under the teaching anointing because you had to preach it. Because sometimes that's the only way it's going to get across, you see. An anointing will break the yoke of bondage and get that thing across. How are we going to do it? By the corporate anointing. Set your heart to walk in love. We are a family. Be concerned about your neighbor. Somebody got a problem, you start telling other people, let's get together and join together and let's be a bunch of lovers and let God's hot, heated, fervent love be a melting pot and melt us all together into one. Hallelujah. We are family and we are one. Love everybody that walks in through the doors. You be a door greeter. You show mercy. He that showeth mercy, show your mercy. Let that be your mercy. Anybody here want to be a mercy shower? You know what the Bible says to the mercy shower? You will obtain what? Mercy. Oh, glory to God. God's mercy be not poured to you. Uh, if I wasn't in the office of a pastor, would I do it? But I mean, I, if I just had one ministry I want to be, I want to be the compassionate, merciful one. 
Hallelujah! Stand and say, Brother, mercy, glory to God, I've got mercy for you and on you. Hallelujah! Be merciful. Weep with those that weep, rejoice with those that rejoice, glory be to God. Take up your place. Thank God for those that can sing. Those of you that got a voice to sing, you better thank God, because us don't. We're going to start singing, then you say, boy, dear Lord, I better get up there. Amen? That's right. Well, I think the anointing might help us out a little bit over there, but I don't know. You think God can do that? I believe He can do it. How are we going to do it? By the anointing? Ha! Criticizing one another? No. Criticizing the body of Christ around us? No. You isolate yourself that way. He never says separate yourself from all the denominations. He said, you are family, you are one, love them. If you've got more light and you think you've got more light, love them and let your light so shine, they'll want the light that you've got. What is that thing about you that makes you always happy, makes you always joyful, makes that church down everybody just come just rejoicing and praising God and magnifying God, lifting their hands up high with one accord? What is it that makes you do that? Man, it's the Holy Ghost inside of us that gave us a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And they'll want it. I mean, they will want it. And they can have it. See, when the anointing of the priest comes on, it's different. It's different. But you've got to yield to it. You've got to do what God wants. Over there in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, we see the same type of anointing come down. Paul and Silas, they was in jail. They decided to have church. I mean, to tell you, if he can do this with two, you know what he can do with 400? I mean, two people got thrown into prison. They had a reason to complain. They had a reason to cry. They had a reason to mope around and mourn. And they were, you know, they had chains and fetters around them. Their feet were in the stocks. They couldn't get, get loose. They couldn't get set free. And there they were. They did it for the gospel's sake. They went out to a place to have revival and, and the devil tried to put them in jail. Didn't succeed in putting them in jail. Stirred up the crowd to get them thrown in jail. And so there they were together, the both of them. This would not have happened had one been complaining and murmuring. I couldn't see Paul saying this, you know, to Silas, well, you know what? We did it again. We must have missed God. I'm bleeding. Your back is bleeding. Man, I guess it must be the will of God that we suffer in this place. Maybe he didn't want us to preach the gospel. You know, we're going to suffer persecution. You know, all things work together for good. Oh, isn't that a nice good scar you got on your back? Isn't that nice? I can see the bone. Hallelujah. All things work together for good. You know, Paul wrote it must have said it. Yeah, you know, Silas, I mean, all things work together for good. Boy, I wish they would have just cut you open about three more stripes right on down the bottom there. It would have been perfectly good and really nice. They didn't say that. Paul looked over him and said, we're going to have church. Silas said, you mean just the two of us here? He said, yeah, we're going to have church. It's the midnight hour. Everything is dark. We did the work of the Lord and the devil threw us in jail. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Let's rejoice together in one accord. Let's be of one mind. Let's stir up the gift of God that's within us. Let's not stop shouting to the glory falls. Hallelujah. Let's not stop shouting to the manifestation of God's glory right here in our midst. Glory be to God. And what happened? They began to shout and to rejoice and lift up their hands and sing praises unto God. And the power of God came down. I mean, it shook the jailhouse and shook. You know what it really was? It was the power of God. It was the hand of God reaching over the banisters of heaven like that to that little old jailhouse 
with his little finger and went like that on one of the bars and shook that whole thing. It was an earthquake like they never saw before. It wasn't just a shaking of the earth. There was enough power in that earthquake to break the chains and the fetters and to set the captives free. How are we going to do the work of God? That's how by the corporate anointing, by the collective anointing like that. And they broke every chain and every fetter and they were loosed and set free. And you talk about having a revival and getting people set free. I mean, they came begging, what must I do to be saved? People are coming through the windows. What must I do to be saved? The glory of God convicts me. And the power of God that comes from that place convicts me. And the anointing of God that comes out, the light that's shining out from that place convicts me. What must I do? They'll be coming in by the droves, wanting to get saved, wanting to get born again, wanting to get delivered, wanting to get healed, wanting to get set free. I heard if you go on down that church, you can get delivered, healed, and set free. You better believe you can. Why? Because of the unity. Why? Because of the anointing that breaks the yoke. Why? Because they have one purpose. Singleness of heart. One mind, one vision, no division among us. They uphold the bloodstained banner of Jesus and they lift him up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me and then I will set them free. How are we going to do it? By the anointing. Not just the individual, but the collective, the corporate anointing of God in our midst. You know, when that anointing falls, do you know what you have, my brother and sister? You have, now listen to me, upon you, you take every gift of the Spirit, every manifestation, every anointing that goes with all the fivefold ministry gifts, you take them all together and you have, if I could use this terminology, please forgive me, but just listen to what I'm saying, a part of God, okay? You can't divide God, but I'm just saying a man receives this part of the anointing of God to serve in this capacity. The anointing to preach, the anointing... Uh, to speak in tongues and to interpret as a ministry, the anointing of gifts of healing and the manifestation of, of being filled with the Spirit, laying on of hands, all these different ministries to teach, etc. All these things. You put them all together under one roof and you've got the body of Christ. Coming together, you've got the full manifestation of the body of Christ together and the anointing of His Spirit and the fullness of that anointing as Christ had it when He walked on the earth under your roof and in your midst. How many of you have said, when I was in church, I was flying high like a kite? I mean, well above the law of sin and death and the glory of God was on me. I walked out the door. It was like someone hit me and hit a baseball bat. What do you think that was? You were in the corporate anointing which can increase in intensity. You were with a body where your where faith was high and you walked up. You may have been to any type of a service, but the body of Christ was there just in worship. And I mean, but you got back to your own little home. Why is it so hard to live apart from the local assembly? Because you see, the anointing is greater and stronger when you're joined together. And it's a heaven-like atmosphere. None of you are thinking doubts of un thoughts of doubt and unbelief right now. You're thinking about God. That's why. But when you walk out to that world of doubt and unbelief, it surrounds you. Just like a cloud, like this cloud that's in here, it surrounds you. See? That's why. How are we going to do the job, my brother and sister? How? With a corporate anointing and supportive ministries. I thought I'd get into that, but we won't. Supportive ministries. God calls a man and says, you be the under shepherd. 
And immediately he starts ministering to the spirits of those who will be involved in supportive ministry to bring this into manifestation, into reality. And each and every one of us, we have our part to play. If we'll do it, and if we'll be willing and obedient to do it, brothers and sisters, I want you to know the earth will shake and the building will tremble and the glory of God that will be manifest in our midst will be something that we can't even imagine in our own thinking. It'll be dynamic. It'll cause you to walk in a higher realm of the Spirit. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.